You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. in the studio with Michael Card as we continue to prepare for Holy Week upcoming. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Mike and uh, you know I saw, you sent me some pictures Mike that you were working preparing the garden. Yes. Uh, if you live where I live in Chicago you you wouldn't be preparing the garden right now. <laughs> you'd be you'd be digging <laughs> yeah. through snow so. We had our snow storm so-called in Tennessee yeah. if we get, you an get a half two, an inch maybe <laughs> right if we get an inch that shuts the whole city down not quite like uh, <laughs> Chicago yeah <laughs> but the most important thing to talk about right now is the fact that we've got some very special moments coming up on the program today coming up in the second half of our hour together uh, buddy green will uh, be here as we reach back into the archive so that's something to look forward to musically here as we talk with buddy later last week we started uh, replaying your teaching from the Biblical Imagination Conference, which you did in Manchester, New Hampshire, a couple years ago. Uh, we're going to continue that as we prepare for Holy Week. Um, we're going to talk yeah, about Yeah, that's, that's, that's the focus. We want to help everyone prepare their hearts and our hearts uh, so that we don't miss the significance of, uh, of Easter this yeah, year. Indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah, more, more than ever, we need to understand what, what it cost Jesus to endure what he endured during that uh, that Passion Week. Mm-hmm. And then let me mention, during Holy Week, we have a very special program, mostly music, but meditations as well, known by the scars. We're going to be uh, Yeah, we're going to mu- musically, musically over, overview, uh, yep. w- you know, event by event, what happened. One of our long play editions, so to speak, with Michael <laughs> yeah. Card. Hey, just before we hear your teaching today and hear a song from you, Michael, um, I want to mention your book, The Nazarene. We have mentioned that a lot uh, recently, 40 Devotions on the Lyrical Life of Jesus. What a great book to read during this uh, this season. Yeah, I think there are, a lot of, there are a lot of songs that have to do with the passion. And that the book is basically 40 essays based on 40 songs. The last four uh, albums I did on the Gospels, on each one of the four Gospels, and um, the subtitle is uh, forty, I think, forty devotions on the lyrical life of Jesus, and the the point being that there's this quality to his life that that really is beautiful and poetic and lyrical and uh, and true. Well, let's turn to a song from you, Michael, followed by the teaching. And by the way, we're so grateful for our partnership with the CSB Bible these days, and more information about that coming up in a few moments. But the song we're going to ask you to sing of course, is Scandal On. And this leads into our teaching from Mike today. The seers and the prophets had foretold it long ago The long-awaited one would make men stumble But they were looking for a king to conquer and to kill Who'd had ever thought he'd be so meek and humble? And all a stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall, and many will be broken so that he can make them whole, and many will be crushed and lose their own soul. 
path of life There lies this stubborn scandal on And all who come this way must be offended Some he is a barrier to others he's the way For all should know the scandal of believing He will be the truth that will offend them one and all A stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall And many will be broken so that he can make them whole And many will be crushed and lose their own soul Seems today the scandal on offends no one at all For the image we present can be stepped over Like the others long ago Will we ever learn that all who come must stumble And he will be the truth that will offend them one and all A stone that makes men stumble and a rock that makes them fall And many will be broken so that he can make them whole And many will be crushed and lose their own Very simply, there are two trials, a Jewish trial and a Roman trial, and both trials have three parts. Uh, the Jewish trial, they take him, they hold him at Annas' house. He's held there. Part two, the, the, the Sanhedrin meets in the night, which they're not supposed to do. That's against the law. They meet at night, and they have their first kind of trial. And they've already decided he's guilty, right? So it's not a real trial. They're looking for a basis to accuse him. And then part three is they have a morning trial to ratify the decision that they made in the middle of the night. So there are three, they, he's held at Annas's. There's a, a kangaroo court, whatever you want to call it, at, at, at night. And then there's a morning trial to make it all seem legal. Jesus is consistently pointing out to them points of law and what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing. And, of course, it, it makes no difference. The Roman trial is even simpler. Pilate, Herod, Pilate. Okay, very simple. He takes him to Pilate, and let me tell you, Pilate does not want to have anything to do with this. When he hears Jesus from Galilee, oh great, I can send him to Herod because he's, you know, he, he's the ruler of Galilee. And, uh, but we'll, we'll look at that. So they took him to the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, but when they kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Uh, we know from the Gospel of John that John got in because he knows the girl at the gate um, because apparently they'd been selling fish or somehow he's known. John knows people. He knows that the servant's name is Malchus. He knows the name of the girl at the gate. He gets Peter in because he knows her and Peter doesn't. So somehow John has local knowledge and there's this idea that somehow they'd been selling fish. And, but the, again, that's just somebody trying to figure out the, the, the evidence so, uh, so Peter follows at a distance, they, and they go into the courtyard uh, where there's the fire in the, in the middle of the courtyard, and they sit down together. Peter sat down with them. A servant girl uh, saw him seated in the, there in the firelight. She looked closely at him. She said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Girl, I don't know him. One. <laughs> a little later, someone else saw him and said, you, you're also one of them. Man, I'm not. Two. About an hour later, and John knows that this person is a relative of the person whose ear Peter cut off. 
So he knows, that the, this third, he knows who this third person is. So John somehow has some kind of local knowledge that the other ones don't have. An hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow's with him, for he is a Galilean. How does he know that? He talks funny. He has an accent that makes him sound uneducated to some people. Okay? Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And this is only in Luke. The Lord turned and looked straight at. Okay, that's a very interesting Greek word. It's the word emblepo. It means to see someone with your mind. Or to, I translate it gaze. So when Peter, only Luke tells us this, when Peter makes his third denial, he looks around and Jesus is looking at him. Okay, looking intently at him. And the, the other place this word is used in the gospel is the first time Jesus looks at Peter. He sees Peter and he looks intently at him. So it's, it's a word that's used uniquely to describe the way Jesus looks at Peter. It's pretty cool. Um, but it's this look. John 142 is the other place it's used. Um, this look is what breaks Peter. Jesus is looking at him with his mind. He's gazing at him. Then Peter remembered the, the word of the Lord, that he, the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. He went outside and wept bitterly. Okay, two people betrayed Jesus, right? Yeah. Judas and Peter. What's the difference between them? I can tell you the difference. Judas tries to fix it, and Peter weeps. That's the difference. Judas throws the money back, and I betray his innocent blood. He tries to fix it, okay? He can't fix it. Peter weeps, right? And so Peter, I think, is ultimately the one who is, you know, who's rest restored. The men cut back, seen back into the, uh, back into the high priest's house. The men who were regarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. Now, the, 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 the Jews mock him in a uniquely Jewish way. And the Romans mock him in a uniquely Roman way, okay? Uh, the Jews, the Jewish uh, guards, and these are Benjaminite warriors. The temple guards are always from the tribe of Benjamin. And they are big, big, scary dudes. The, the battle cry of Israel is, behind thee, O Benjamin. Because the Benjaminites always go first because they're the biggest and the baddest guys, okay? Uh, they begin mocking him. They blindfold him and they, they demanded prophesy who hit you because the Babylonian Talmud in Sanhedrin 93 the section called the Sanhedrin 93b says the Messiah won't judge by what he sees the Messiah will judge by what he smells that's in Bill Lane's commentary so it's absolutely true and there are no questions that that's <laughs> airtight so they say prophesy who hit you and they said many other insulting things uh, to him and that, that uh, Sanhedrin 93.5.3 is based on Isaiah 11.3. At daybreak, the council of elders, that's the big three of the people, both chief, chief priests and teachers of the law met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you're the Christ, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. Jesus is basically saying, you know, this is all pointless. If I tell you, you're not going to believe me. And if I ask you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. So he just kind of said it. Right? Then they all asked, then you're the Son of God? He replied, you're right. 
You're right in saying I am. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? Because in the other gospels, we find out that there have, there have been false witnesses. Why do we need any more testimony? See, Luke is being accurate when he doesn't know he's being accurate because there's, in the other gospels tell us of false witnesses who don't agree. They can't get the false witness to, witnesses to agree. So we don't need any more testimony. Uh, we've heard it from his own lips. 23.1. So we're done with the Jewish, the Jewish trials. Now we go to the Roman trials. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. We know a lot about Pilate. Uh, Pilate hated Jews. He hated being there. He was eventually called back to Rome for atrocities against the Samaritans. Um, and along the way, uh, the emperor died while he was on the way, and he disappeared. They think he killed himself. Uh, but Pilate, was, uh, Pilate is a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He's an autocrat, and he wants nothing to do with any of this. He's just trying to keep the lid on, right? It's Passover. You know, the city is, is in a turmoil, and, and this could blow, you know, blow the lid off the whole thing. John is, uh, reminds us that this happens early in the morning, and the reason that happens is the Jews know that Pilate gets all his work done early in the morning. The Romans had what was referred to as a day of organized leisure, and this has to do with the slave culture. He gets all of his work done in a couple of hours in the morning, and he spends the, the rest of the day in a day of organized leisure. He goes to the baths. He gets a massage. He exercises. He goes and eats. That's his life as a, as a, as a Roman. So they know if they're going to get this you know, settled, they've got to get to him as early as they, as they can. So they lead him to Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, we have found this man subverting our nation. And you notice, these are Roman charges. They're speaking Roman-type language now. They're not talking about blasphemy. Pilate couldn't care less about blasphemy. But he's, he's subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar. That's 2024. And he claims to be Christ, which Pilate doesn't care about. But he's a king, Christ a king. Well, that's a problem. Because there's only one king. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Now watch what happens here. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, yeah. Yes, it is, the way you, it is as you say. So he agreed to their charges. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. Do you see what's happening? I, I don't have anything to do with this guy. Get him the heck out of here. I've got a, I've got a massage at 9 o'clock, Right? I find no basis for a charge. But they insisted. He stirs up the people. And that's, if you want to get to a Roman bureaucrat, the Pax Romana, if you violate that, that's a big deal. He's stirring people up by his teaching. He started in Galilee, and he's come all the way here. You know why they say that? You know where the great, where the revolts all start? In Galilee. Judas the Galilean is the guy who started the Zealot movement. Galileans are troublemakers, so it started in Galilee. This is all designed, you know, this language is, is, uh, is designed to, to get to Pilate. On hearing this, he asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, thank goodness, he sent him to Herod. Oh, good, I'm done with this guy, uh, who was in Jerusalem at that time. He's there celebrating Passover. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he'd been wanting to see him. Uh, this is the same guy that killed John the Baptist, okay? 
from what he'd heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. Isaiah 53, 7, as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he doesn't open his mouth. And the, why? Because there's no point. Right? There's no point. Um, he gave him no answer. The chief priest and the teacher of the law were standing there vehemently uh, accusing him. And by the way, Pilate had grown up with Claudius, and later uh, one of his best friends was Caligula, who was the craziest of all emperors. Okay, Herod grew up in that, in that household. Um, then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends before they had become enemies. In chapter 13, Pilate had killed a number of Herod's subjects in Galilee. So they weren't buddies. Uh, Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people. He said to them, you brought this man uh, as one who was inciting uh, the people to rebellion. I've examined him in your presence and have found no basis for a charge against him. That's the second time he's pronounced him as innocent. I found no basis for a charge against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he's done nothing to deserve death. That's the third time he said he's innocent. He's not done. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. That makes no sense. He's appeasing the crowd. Right? He's appeasing the crowd. But with one voice they cried out, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas is rare. Here's a rare aside. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for insurrection in the city and for murder. So what, what Barabbas, what Jesus is being accused of, Barabbas actually did and worse. So we're going to let him go. Okay. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. That's four times. He kept shout, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time, by my count, that's actually five, he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I find in him no grounds for the death penalty. I mean, are you beginning to believe that Pilate thinks he's innocent? See, there is a focus on the innocence of Jesus in the book of Luke that is not in the other gospels. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, and uh, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. So he sur surrenders Jesus to mob violence. Only the Romans are going to crucify him. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who, who is actually... Uh, mentioned in uh, Romans 16, 13. His sons are mentioned in Romans 16, 13. How cool is that? Uh, he was on his way in from the country. They put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. This is a, the, called the, the law of Roman impressment. Any Roman soldier can make you carry a burden for one mile. That's in the law. That's a Julian code. So what Jesus says, if someone makes you bear, uh, carry a mile, a burden for a mile, what does Jesus say? Carry two miles. So, yeah, he's referring to this same law that's being in, enacted here. So Simon has the privilege of carrying the cross. The cross beam is probably a big cross beam that he's having to carry. 
Um, a, lo- a large number of people followed him, including women, thank you, Luke, who mourned and wailed for Jesus. Jesus turned to them and said, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, blessed are the barren women, the wombs that, womb, wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. That's Hosea. For if men do these things when the tree's green, what will they do when it's dry? Uh, and that word for tree is the same word that Peter uses for cross. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. This is to fulfill Isaiah 53, 12. From this point on, every verse is the fulfillment of some prophecy from the Old Testament. Everything that happens is, fu- is fulfillment. It's Isaiah 53, 12. Uh, when they came to the place of the, uh, of the skull, okay, Calvaria, Calvary, uh, is the Greek word uh, for skull. Um, Golgoloth is the Hebrew word for skull, and that's where we get Golgotha from. Okay, same place. Uh, there they crucified him, and this is, this is what all the Gospels do. None of the Gospels say, and then they nailed his feet, and then they nailed his hand, and then they stood there. They don't have to do that. All they say is, all the Gospels say is, and they crucified him. Because all the readers know exactly what that means. Okay? Now, later on, after the resurrection, he will show them the wounds in his hands and feet and sides, so we know he was nailed to the cross. But we only know that from post-resurrection appearances. We don't get that from the description of the crucifixion. It's not there. Okay? But it doesn't have to be there. So there they crucified him uh, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. That's Zechariah 12.10. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's from Psalm 109.25. He's quoting. And they divided uh, up his clothes by casting lots. That's Psalm 22.19. Everything is a fulfillment of prophecy. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. That's Psalm 109.25. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. That's Psalm 22.8. Are you beginning to see a pattern here? The soldiers came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar. Uh, Wine vinegar is just wine that's gone bad. It's wine that's soured, and they drank it when they were on post to stay awake. Have you ever? (laughs) Try it sometime. It'll wake you up. (laughs) Um, uh, The uh, Babylonian Talmud, Sanhedrin 43a, um, talks about a stupefying drink that the pious women of Jerusalem uh, offered him. Um, Jesus refused that um, just before he dies. To fulfill this last prophecy, he says, I'm thirsty. That's Psalm 69, 21. Uh, he asked for a drink. That's in Matthew 27, 48. So we're, we're juggling details here. Um, so they also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him uh, which read, this is the king of the Jews. And all of the gospels have this slightly differently. Um, but the, the one phrase that's in common is king of the Jews. Um, and John lets us know this was in three languages. Okay, that's only in John. 
One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. So it, he's insulting him. He's mocking him. It's not like he, he's asking him to do it. He's insulting him. Okay? Uh, so even the people that are, are dying with him are ridiculing him. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. This man has done nothing wrong. There's another claim of his innocence, and it comes from the guy who's dying with him. The focus on the innocence of Jesus is very uh, pronounced in Luke. But then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. That word, is I've been told, is the oldest word in the world. It, and by that I mean it, 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 re, it retains its form back through cuneiform and all these. It's P-R-D-S, okay? But you can trace it back, and it means garden. But uh, at least one commentator, and I think it's a really cool idea. <laughs> My note says it's one of the oldest words in the world, but, uh, you know, interesting. So uh, it was now the sixth hour. Amos 8, 9 uh, speaks of a darkness that symbolizes the morning for an only son. So the darkness is Amos 8, 9. Uh, Matthew at this point, I think, says that there's an earthquake. Um, And this, this, this is also described in Psalm 18. It's now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Uh, and this temple, this, this curtain, we're not sure which one it is. It could be two. There's two choices. There's an outer one, and this curtain is as thick as, it's a hand breadth thick. So it's not like this. It's, it's a cloth that's that thick. And it's either the, the curtain that everyone can see that's uh, on the outside, or it's a curtain that's in, in the inner temple that only the priest would be able to see. But the point is, it gets ripped from the top to the bottom. And uh, again, it's, this, it's a cloth that's this, woven this thick. So, uh, 46, uh, 46, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's Psalm 31.5. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Um, John tells us, in in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us, John 10, that he has been given the authority to to lay his life down and to take it up again. So the answer to the question, who killed Jesus? Nobody killed Jesus. He let go of his life. He voluntarily let go of his life. Okay, so nobody killed. The Romans didn't kill him. The Jews didn't kill him. He let go of his life, okay? And I think John says when he saw that everything was completed... All of the prophecies had been completed. That's when he, he let go. He dismisses his spirit, I think John says. He breathed his last. Well, it's been a great session so far, but we need to reset the studio for the second half. If what you're hearing has prompted you to look for more, look online for more from Michael that can help. Find books, including the newest release titled The Nazarene. There's music and news about upcoming conferences, all at michaelcard.com. You can email your comments and questions to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. That's inthestudio at michaelcard.com. And we hope you'll get the word out about this program by posting a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing the link on your favorite social media platform. 
Coming up, more music and conversation after this message in the studio with Michael Card. This month's featured CSB resource is the Everyday Study Bible. You know that we value the Bible as the foundation for what we teach on this podcast. And providing helpful ways to explore in the Word on your own is a great way to reinforce this core value in your life. That's why the Everyday Study Bible is a wonderful tool to have in your hands. I hope you'll check out how this Bible could open a door to a life-changing exploration of God's Word. Search for Everyday Study Bible at csbible.com to find out more details. Be sure to apply the 40% discount available on your CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type CARD40 as one word in the promotion code for your 40% discount with LifeWay. Daily study is key to opening a deep, lifelong relationship with God. The Everyday Study Bible could be a practical way to get started. Search for Everyday Study Bible now at csbible.com. Mike, I'm really looking forward to hearing from Buddy Green here in just a moment, joined by Jeff Taylor and some guy named Mike Card in playing some music for us. But here's a listener reaction. Terry writes, Michael, I want to thank you for sharing with us the gifts and lessons God has given you with the rest of us. I've been familiar with your music and writings for many years, but it's only recently that I found your podcast, and it indeed brings much joy to my journey. Oh, that was nice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Terry. Thank you very much. Now, we're going to uh, play an interview we did with Buddy Green, but we're going to mix in some of the music we did with Buddy through the years, uh, along with Jeff Taylor at the piano. Yeah. And you played the banjo on this first song we're going to hear. Yeah, uh, Crying Holy. And and you just need to know that Jeff and Buddy are two of the, I mean, they're, they're great guys, but they're two of the best musicians in Nashville. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, you're, it's hard to keep up with these two guys when you're trying to play along. Oh, come on. Your you're yeah. banjo, everybody loves it when you play the banjo. I've been in concerts with you, Mike, when uh-huh. people kind of, you know, request you to bring out the banjo. So no, no sad songs on a banjo. You can't play a sad song on the banjo. That's right. <laughs> well, let's get into the conversation with the guys here, beginning with Crying Holy. Michael Card joining Buddy Green and Jeff Taylor. One, two, one, two. Crying holy unto the Lord, crying holy unto the Lord. Oh, now if I could, I surely would stand on that rock where Moses stood. Lord, I ain't no stranger now. Lord, I ain't no stranger now. Lord, I've been introduced to the Father and the Son. Lord, I ain't. No stranger now, cause I'm a crying holy unto the Lord. Crying holy unto the Lord. Oh, now if I could, I surely would stand on that rock where Moses stood. Come on, Jeff. Sinners are run and hide your face. 
Sinners run and hide your face. Sinners run to the rock and hide your face. But I cried out, no hiding place. Cause I'm a crying holy unto the Lord. A crying holy unto the Lord. Oh, now if I could, I surely would stand on that rock. Where Moses stood. Come on, Mike. I'm a crying holy unto the Lord. Now, if I could, I surely would stand on that rock. Stand on that oh, and Moses stood. I'm a crying holy unto the Lord. Oh, now if I could, I surely would stand on that rock. When Moses stood, oh, I'm a crying holy unto the Lord. I'm a crying holy unto the Lord. Oh, now if I could, well, I surely would stand on that rock. When Moses stood. <laughs> Excuse me, the, the banjo's not loud enough. Can we go back and turn the banjo? <laughs> more banjo, more banjo. Oh, it don't matter, just a banjo. That's what Ken Lewis said to yeah. us one time in the studio. Mike was trying to tune it. So, yeah. Buddy Green, welcome back. Wayne, it is good to be back. Yeah. And good to see you guys uh, cranking this thing back up again. Well, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, we knew that if you'd come along and help us, we could make a go of it, buddy. So. Well, I know that there'd been a public cry for this. Yes, I mean, right, that's <laughs> right. We're just responding to that. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> or, or, or is the public crying because of this? It's one of the two, I yeah, forget. Yeah. yeah. Now, Mike, you don't even remember doing that crying holy in the studio really with Buddy. I really don't. No, I really don't. I, like Buddy Buddy said a minute ago, I just remember us getting together and yucking it up. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I really, and, and the music that we've listened to just today, this is our first day back in the studio, I... You know, I, I can't believe how, I mean, this sounds kind of stuck up, but it really sounds good. I mean, it sounds like a record. Well, we were young then. Yes, okay, okay. <laughs> and you're still friends today. Absolutely. You, you, and Jeff Taylor was with you that day. That's I right. heard Jeff yeah. on the piano there. That's correct, that's correct. In, so, in fact, yeah. I'm going to see Jeff later on this oh, day. Oh, we'll really? say hi for us. Yeah. I will, I'll pass that along. Yeah. What a dear brother. So, buddy, I guess we're all getting old, huh? Yeah, we are. I mean, uh, I'm the oldest, so I yeah, guess I, I can say get that. Two, two or three calls a day wanting to know, you know, 
check on my AARP uh, <laughs> membership or, or some sort of insurance that I need. Or, well, wait to get on or, Medicare. Or grave plots or, you know, it's... <laughs> well, I, I just can't believe how old people my age are. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. It's depressing, isn't it? <laughs> and he had to put his glasses on to read that line off his phone. Yeah, too, that was so. on my phone. Thank you. That was a meme. <laughs> Buddy, yeah. catch us up. How, how's life going for you? Well, life's going good, Wayne. I, I really can't complain. I, I, I still do, but I, I shouldn't because uh, I'm, um, I'm pretty blessed at this stage of life. I've got two daughters raised and out the door. One of them's married and living in California and um, with, with a fine son-in-law. And then my youngest is still living here in town and in the Nashville area and is an artist and a good one. Uh, Hmm. she's, that is, she's a painter, visual artist. And then, and Vicky hadn't kicked me out of the house and, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, uh, got a pretty good bill of health. And so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. Every once in a while the phone rings and somebody wants me to, uh, you know, come, uh, Fly my trade a little bit, so how about that? And I'm a happy man. Your daughter's the one responsible for the cover art in your latest CD. I understand. Yes, she is. I commissioned her for that. Looking back, she did, a, she did an outstanding job. She's mm-hmm. she's really more. Um, her passion is really sort of uh, abstract ex- expressionism. You know that she <laughs> which just kind of looks like wow, those are interesting colors. <laughs> 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 what is it? But. Um, but she's also a great representational artist. Yeah, she captured and you very nicely. I thought so too. Uh, and so I'd seen her do something along those lines. With uh, she's a, she's a good pen and ink artist, and so I said, uh, "Why don't you try to why don't you try to render your dad and make him look as ancient as, as he is, <laughs> and uh, put a little watercolor on it?" And and I just love the result. So well, daughters are good at doing that. Mine mine uh, teases me too. So well, I have a son who's a painter. I keep trying to get him to do that, and he won't do it for me. So. Uh... <laughs> Don't take it personally, Mike. Well, I think it's for free. I'm thinking maybe if there's some cash involved, he'd be more interested. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, there was, that's what I had to do. I had to actually say, there's money in this, so okay. deliver. Uh-huh. And she did. Uh-huh. It's she amazing did. how no, that will bring results. Yeah, it really is. It's a great cover. Thank you. Yeah. Buddy, we wanted you back to catch up with you, you and your life and what God's doing in your life. And uh, our topic is just generally creativity. I mean, you've got the two of you guys here. Uh, I just like to hear the two of you talk about creativity at this stage of life. Gosh, well, you know, it's, we hadn't talked in a while. We've been trying to get yeah. together for like about two months, Michael. You and, know, and, uh, and I must say, your travels and mine well, and all, it's and been you, hard. You're the faithful one who who emails and texts and says, "Hey, let's do coffee," and and I won't <laughs> be there. And then I'll get home and uh, occasionally I'll I'll be the one that tries to initiate, but then you're always gone. So. It really is hard. So I guess that's a good thing. At least we're still working enough. Glad we could bring you together. Yes, it's hard. To, yeah, so we have to do this. We have to get together this way. Well, let, let me tell my kind of my Buddy Green testimony. Buddy's the guy who, um, I don't know how many years ago it was, several years ago, where I got to a really low place, and I quit. I mean, I wasn't going to do it anymore. And um, Buddy, who's very, elder in our church and very pastoral and has that kind of a heart, he shows up at my front door with his little suitcase full of harmonicas and his little no, his little notebook under his uh, arm, and I look at him. I go, "What are you doing here?" He goes, "He said I'm here to teach you how to love music again." Oh. And we sat and played hymns and stuff. You remember really? that, buddy? Yeah, we and, had a great time. And it really, and it, it really. I remember did. Susan was there, and yeah. uh, we just sat around your living room. I yep. thought, man, this place is perfect for some home picking. Let's yep. do it. Yep. So, 
and and it and it, it it served the purpose too. I kind of you know got back up on my feet again and and did it. So I I don't know if I'd still be playing if it wasn't for Buddy Green. Oh, uh, I I don't know about that. Yeah. I think Jeff and I had been kind of digging you about this for some time. Yeah. You know, because we just knew you were a great musician and you weren't you weren't uh, you weren't working your muscle yeah like you should. And yeah. so uh, and you know it, I, I have to maybe give a lot of this credit to Jeff Taylor. I met Jeff about you know, 15, 12, 15 years ago. And he's the, you know, Jeff, he's yeah. the kind of guy that loves to play. And yes. he kind of lit the fire in me, and we were having such a good time playing, and, and you getting to know him and all. And then, yeah. but your reluctance to really kind of jump in there with us, we thought, we can't let this, we can't let this guy sit on his hands any yeah. longer. So, <laughs> and we did a Christmas tour together, and that was fun. We needed yeah. to do something like that again. Well, that's just great. That just was playing. great fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, and now Maggie, um, my daughter, she wants a hoot nanny at the house kind of thing. She wanted it for her birthday, which we just missed. Uh, kind of a big memorial where everybody came together and honored her for her birthday with music, but. Uh, um, we can still do it. She won't yeah. let you forget. No. Yeah, it's about. To, I'd say we're about due for another uh, yeah. gathering out there. Yeah. Oh man! Yeah. Hey, I hope I get an invitation. Yeah, let's do that. I'll, I'll come down from Chicago any day to hear okay. that. You got the perfect house for it, I think. Well, and you know we're selling it, so we're not going to be there much longer. So we oh, need, you've been oh. saying that for years. Well, but we're actually really selling it now. We <laughs> redid the floors and all that kind of stuff, and ha- actually have people looking at it now. So. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so be, then let's definitely get together and wait, have one more picking party. And you have a spare room at your house, right? <laughs> Don't you have a spare room? It, it depends on who I'm talking like to. With the bathroom, <laughs> like with its own bathroom. I mean, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. Listen, I think this room in the man cave. I'll, I'll find a spot for you down okay. here. Now, Susan can stay upstairs with the civilized. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> upstairs, downstairs. I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, buddy, yeah. tell us about your latest, looking back, the, the the musical CD that you sent to me so kindly. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, it is um, it's it is what it says. I mean, it's it's a bit of a retrospective on my recording career and really my, my sort of musical and spiritual formation of the last, you know, gosh, however long I've been doing this, which is really 50-plus years now. I, I've... I picked up a ukulele when I was 10 years old and within a few months had found an audience. Hmm. And it was at the local drugstore, Soda Fountain. And um, So there were drugs involved in the beginning of your ministry? <laughs> <laughs> yes, even at that early age. Uh, um, I'm just trying to make it more interesting. <laughs> he liked it. He He's responsible because I, 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 I sauntered in one day and uh, with my ukulele under my arm, you know, just very nonchalantly and just hoping somebody would say, well, can you play that thing? And, of course, they did. And before they could get away, I uh, started playing I Want to Hold Your Hand or something like that. And, <laughs> and and before long, everybody in the drugstore was back there, and I had my audience. And when it was the song was over, uh, Dr. Dorsey, the druggist, looked over from his position up there and said, uh, Buy that boy a milkshake. Oh. And, and the rest is history. You, know? you, you put two and two together. I can get free food <laughs> yeah, if I do you're this. You're still playing for milkshakes, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it hadn't, hadn't improved much since yeah, then. Yeah, come full circle. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it really, by my 20s, I was, I was you know, try, trying to really make a career of this in earnest. And, and but also, um, I, I was also far from the church, and I was just making one bad choice after another, and um, the wheels were falling off. And 
And it was a real formative time for me, searching time, um, that eventually led to me coming back into the fold. And and um, so a lot of these songs were from that period, or, or several of them anyway, were songs that I had never recorded. Hmm. But they were, you know, they were just... Uh, they were songs that spoke to those those formative places. You know, um, there was a song on there called "Jesus Going to Make It All Right," and I just remember singing that song. Uh, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee performed it way back in the seventies, mm-hmm. and I loved it. And you know, I wasn't even claiming Jesus as a savior or anything then, and and yet it was one of those lifelines for me that every time I sang it, it just spoke to me, and mm-hmm. it has a the words say, um, every verse says that that um, comes back to Mama, and Mama saying Jesus going to make it all right. Well, my my poor mother was faithful and praying for me through this whole period, mm. and if I owe it to anybody, it's my mother praying me back into the fold. And um, so I love the song for that, and it was so great to cut it. And I think it's like a standout cut on the record, actually. Mm. So it's just songs like that. Uh, some of some of my early recordings, uh, songs that I recorded 25, 30 years ago, I dusted off, and I felt like they needed an updated arrangement. They still were pertinent. Some of them had sort of a new application because of where I am now in life. And then a few new things have come along in the last 10 years or so, some other songs. but um, Well, you got all the heavy hitters playing on there. You got Ron Block and Sam <laughs> Bush and Jerry Douglas. Well, uh, it was another sort of bucket list thing, you know. Yeah. I, I had always wanted to, um, I've you know, you know, I love bluegrass, yeah, and I've always wanted to make an album that was as close to a bona fide bluegrass record as I could do, yeah. And because I'm such a, I'm such a mongrel in the way my music is all mixed up with rhythm and blues and everything else, that I knew it couldn't be a, you know, a, a really straight ahead bluegrass project. Uh-huh. But I, but I was able to get some of my heroes like Sam Bush and Ron wow. Block and. Brian Sutton, Aubrey Haney, just yeah. a great, great core band to make this record with. And man, was it fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We got some pretty good singers on there, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my, my good friends, uh, Becky and Sonia Isaacs, were singing on yeah. there. Herb and, Peterson. Uh, Jason Eskridge. Do you know Jason? No. no. He's an amazing singer yeah. and uh, and then Angie Prim. The two of them came in and they put the soul the soul factor all over where, wherever we needed that. Yeah. And it was, um, yeah. And then of course, Del McCurry yeah, also right. showed up for a, um, a duet yeah. on, on one of the songs. And that was, uh, I mean, such a thrill. Cause I'm such a huge fan of huh. Dale and what he does. Okay. So what's the deal with 18 songs? What are you doing to <laughs> us over here? 18 songs. <laughs> hey, I don't want to have to do this again. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Just going to put it all out there, huh? <laughs> Uh, you know what? It actually, we went in the first time um, at the beginning of 2017, and um, oh, excuse me, at the beginning of 2016, mm-hmm. I went in and I cut 11 songs in two days, mm-hmm. tracked them, and then for the rest of that year, was so busy I didn't get to uh, turn to this project anymore. And then finally, at the beginning of 2017, I went back in. Brian Sutton was producing this, and a lot of the problem was just having our schedules line up so we could work together. And finally we went back in and we spent a couple more days and, and really all I had in mind was adding maybe two or three more songs, but it was just 
you know, more songs kept coming to mind, and we kept pulling them out, and there were such good players on hand. And before you know it, there's 18 songs. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll weed it out and get it down to a good dozen. But the more I listened to them, I just felt like, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to bury any of this stuff. Yeah, why not? Why glad, not? We're glad yeah. you didn't. Yeah. yeah. Hey, buddy, I, I'm just so sorry we have to wrap this up, but I tell you, I just love everything you do. Thank Espe- you, Wayne. Especially the hymns, too. I mean, you you really take us back to the hymns in such a meaningful way, and I, that's, what Mike, how I'd like to, us to end this time with Buddy okay. here today. Let's go back to that recording you did in the studio for us back in the day, uh, Buddy. It's called Shall We Gather at the River. Buddy Green, uh, Mike, you're with on guitar, and you sing along with Buddy on this, and Jeff Taylor on the piano and accordion and singing as well. So, Buddy, great to talk with you. God bless you, man. You, you too, Wayne. Great being with you all today. Thanks. At the river where bright angel feet have trod with its crystal tide forever flowing by the throne of God. And yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, beautiful saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. Soon we'll reach the shining river, and soon our pilgrimage will cease, and soon our happy hearts will quiver with the melody. And yes, we'll gather at the river The beautiful, beautiful river We'll gather with the saints at the river That flows by the throne of God silver spray we will walk and worship ever all the happy golden day and yes we'll gather at the river the beautiful beautiful 
Together with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. Oh, and yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. By the throne of God that flows by the throne of God. We're so glad you joined us for this session. It's our prayer that what you just heard has helped you develop a better understanding of the Bible and prepared you to celebrate the upcoming Easter holiday. Please post a comment on the Michael Carb Music Facebook page. You can write a review on Apple Podcasts or share the link to what you've discovered on your favorite social media platform. Connect with us and learn more about Michael's books and music at michaelcard.com. We're glad for the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com to learn more about the great Bible editions that provide a readable way to get serious with God's Word. This month, we're featuring the Everyday Study Bible. This Bible edition comes in a convenient size, so it can be a go-anywhere study companion. Search for the Everyday Study Bible. And when you order, use the promotion code CARD40, Type with no spaces to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. The Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. Join us next week for another session designed to help you prepare for the commemoration of our Lord's death and celebration of His resurrection. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for joining us for this session in the studio with Michael Card. <laughs>